our text from Matthew chapter 2. Take it. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 15. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Charlie. Somebody say, get up. That's our title this morning, get up. Now, church, we've learned that when an angel speaks, it's wise to listen. Uh, and when heaven goes to the trouble of intervening in human affairs, it's wise to respond. Here in Matthew chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, we follow the journey of the Magi who have discerned an invitation from the heavens to come and worship a new king. And so they come. And that's the core of the Christmas invitation. We've sung it several times in this season. Abby, would you give me an E chord up there? Maybe play along. Um, I told you I'd be spontaneous here, Abby. So here we go. But the core of the Christmas invitation, Sloan, is this. Oh, come all ye faithful. And it remains a compelling word for us today. It's related to getting up, actually. Oh, come all ye faithful. Hit that, hit that chord and play it. Uh, how does this start? Come all ye faithful. Sing it with me. Joyful and trying. You gotta sing it bigger. Faith, oh come. Get up and sing it. Oh come. Get up. Ye to Bethlehem. Now sing it big, top your lungs. Come and behold him, born the King of Man. Here's me. Oh come, let us adore him. Oh come, let us adore. in his presence. Great job, great job. Give yourselves a hand there for saying. Uh, partly I sang that for you, Sloan. That was just for you. I hope you sang along back there. It's my four-year-old granddaughter back there. In today's text, and we see it in this song too, we find two levels of response when the angel says, come to the Magi, and a little bit later when he says, get up to Joseph. And the first is this. Let's call it come and behold. Come and behold. And frankly, folks, this is what we sing about a lot. This is the easy part, in a way. This is the easy part. Look at verse 9 again with me. And they had heard the king. They went on their way. And the star the Magi had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place that the child was. Imagine, imagine the drama here. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming, they came to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, 700 years before this night, before Bethlehem, Isaiah sent us a save-the-date of sorts. And we preached about that earlier, too. 
for the arrival of the king. And when the king says come, when God says come, it's perhaps the most terrifying and thrilling, pause-giving and life-changing imperative that any of us could ever hear. It begins at the manger, come and behold him. We just sang it. It's in the scriptures. It continues to this day. It is still the invitation for us right here this morning in Baltimore. So the day that the Magi crowded through the doorway of Joseph and Mary's house and their baby son's tiny dwelling, it was, it was sheer delight at the beginning. It was kind of like the Christmases many of you had this year. It was delight at my house with grandchildren and my children and just gifts and stories and meals and it was sharing and fellowship and and it was it was awesome and this is what's happening and the mere presence of these three persian astronomers gave a vibe of wonder and wouldn't you love to have three astronomers at your house for christmas i mean that's cool and when they began to worship the child as the scripture says can you imagine the rush that joseph and mary must have felt like what is going and the wonder would have intensified for the couple as these costly gifts were delivered and produced. And these folks, I just want you to take in, into account again, these were astonishing gifts. And they were fit only for a king. Gold was the brilliant world currency and has remained so. Frankincense and myrrh in the ancient Near East uh, were often worth more than gold. So it's not only the galactic wonder of the star that they had seen. It's actually financial relief for this family. Kids bring budget pressure. So raise your hand if you know what that's about. Kids bring budget pressure, whether they're little or big, college or preschool. Kids bring budget pressure. And this baby boy now receives this enormous trust fund of sorts alongside the weight of the cosmos. He gets the trust fund. He gets the weight of glory. Their deep relief Imagine Joseph and Mary, put yourself in their place. The deep relief would have been visible on their faces as their poverty was largely alleviated in this day. They can now improve really everything about their lives. And then the Magi would tell their story. I don't know, we, we do storytelling around my dinner table at Christmas. And, and they would tell the story of following the star for this a thousand miles. They came a thousand miles from Persia. Imagine yourself in the room hearing this story. The story was brand new to Joseph and Mary. This is the first time they've heard it. Joseph, Mary, we followed this star. It stopped overhead. We brought great resources for the child. And I, I just imagine Mary and Joseph would have been exploding with joy at this point. It would have been awesome. And as that first Christmas day ebbs, the Magi say their farewells, just like guests at your house must have said, hey, it's time to go. Gotta go. Great dinner, great stories, got the gifts opened. And then, verse 12, it says, they're warned in a dream by an angel to avoid Herod. And it tells us they went home by another way. Now, that's a sermon in itself, Sean. You can preach that. I can bring you up here right now and say, yeah, I'll preach, go home by another way. And I, and I love this because I... I I would say, I'm not sure what to do about the feedback because we're, we still have a broken soundboard if you were with us Christmas Eve, but our sound team's doing great with it. But I, I love this go home by another way word from the angel because, and I would say this to you, Great City, by all means, this Christmas of 2022 and now 2023, go home another way. By all means, go home another way in response to our Savior. 
like the Magi, you've come to behold the child. The child has had an impact on your lives, and you want to avoid the Herods of the world and their violence and their narcissism and disregard for people and all things divine. You want to avoid those things and go home a different way. And that's where we make resolutions. That's where we make changes. That's where we grow up. So by all means, go home by another way. It's telling in the midst of that that, that any touch with Jesus, Jesus, any beholding, come and beholding of Jesus, can inspire us to do things differently. Anytime we engage Jesus, it can inspire us to do things differently. But this, this can stop short. I said this is the easy way. See, we can, we can be seasonal Christians. We can resolve to be nicer people. We can resolve to do better and put that on our list and stop with that. And you might even be nicer. By all means, don't be nicer. Go home by another way and be nicer. But there's something more, Grace City. There's something higher. There's something bigger at stake here. Something higher than simply beholding and then going back home. Something more world-changing awaits anyone who moves from beholding to belonging. From beholding to belonging. Are you with me? Because the scripture calls us now to go beyond beholding and into belonging. It's going to call us to get up. Get up. Sometimes we sing choruses to, oh, come all ye faithful, where we sing, for he alone is worthy. Right? For he alone is worthy. Sing that with me. For he alone is worthy. Christ. Amen. So I want, to, I want to end this message as we begin 2023 with come and belong. Come and belong. We hear a final word from the angels in this series. Look at verses 13 to 15 that totally read. When they'd gone, when the Magi had gone home by another way, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. And, and we don't hear of the Magi again. I, I don't know what they did with their lives. Perhaps they were nicer. Perhaps they were better people. But something bigger is at stake. Watch this. An angel of the Lord, the final word we have of angels we have heard, appeared to Joseph in a dream. I, I love the dreaming angel. Angels that appear in a dream. That's cool. Reminds me of that dream a little dream of me. I, I'd sing that with you too if we wanted to. The angel of the Lord appears. Get up. Somebody say, get up. Get up. Take, take, take the child. This is our challenge. Take this child. Don't just behold him. Take him. And his mother. Escape to Egypt. We're going to talk about this. Stay there. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod, watch this, is going to search for the child to kill him. This is hard Christmas. This morning, church, Grace City, it, it's urgent, it's explicit. Get up, take the child, escape, stay. It's terrifying. They're coming to kill your son. Let it sink in. This is a Christmas that nobody wants, nobody desires. You can see the terror in Joseph. Verse 14, he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, left for Egypt. He doesn't roll over and say, this is going to have to wait till morning. I'm too tired right now. Can we just wait on this angel? Do you have any idea how exhausted I am? This will have to wait. No, he gets up. I love this about Joseph. He rouses Mary. He swaddles the baby. They take the baby. They pack a few belongings. And you better believe they pack the gifts that have been brought for them. 
divinely provided for their journey and for their life in Egypt. Can you imagine moving 500 miles to Egypt with no resources? They have the resources now to go. Divinely provided, they quietly creep out of Bethlehem under the cover of darkness, and as soon as it seems safe, they quicken their step, they begin to go faster and faster, and it's ringing in Joseph's mind, get up, get up, go, take the baby, Herod's after him. And so it becomes a flight. From Bethlehem, just south of Jerusalem, it's 75 miles to the provincial border. They go through Bathsheba, across the wilderness of Sin, down through the Sinai Peninsula. They finally come to the river of Nile, follow that down 500 miles into Egypt. Jesus is a refugee. Egypt was a natural place to flee with their child. It had a large Jewish expatriate population. Some scholars say there were over one million Jews in Egypt at that time. So they could disappear in Egypt. And meanwhile, church, far away back home in Palestine, in Bethlehem, Herod the psychopath enacts a stunning horror upon the population of Bethlehem and the surrounding region. Look at verse 16 with me. And I'm not trying to darken you to make you sad, but here it is, verse 16. When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old or more. Oh, come, Emmanuel. We've been singing about this. This is Christmas in the minor key worship theme. We don't think much about this part of the Christmas story. Can you imagine the scene? Baby boys torn from their mother's arms. Can you imagine? We sing sometimes Christmas carols that have lines like, How still we see thee lie. Not happening. There's no deep and dreamless sleep. The dreams are full of angels saying, Get up. We like to remember Christmas like a Christmas card. And... And this, this Christmas that I'm talking about, it never makes it to our Christmas cards, and rightly so. Don't ever get a Christmas card with a slaughter of the innocents on it. That would not be good to send out to your family. But remembering it in this scripture, Alan, must make it to our hearts and to our minds. It must be there. It must stay there. We must remember it because it will impact our minds and our choices going forward. Someone say choices. Bethlehem's first Christmas was certainly joyful to behold, but at the same time in the aftermath, it was frightful to belong to. Beholding Christ Church is relatively easy. Almost everybody in the planet does it at Christmas time. We behold Christ. You can even go home by another way when you do. But belonging to Christ, belonging to Christ is not for the faint-hearted, Grace City. It's just not. But it's the very best life you could ever live. It's the very best. The call of the angels for all of us today as 2023 dawns is to get up and take the child. Take hold of the Christ child and belong to him. Look at verse 19. You see here in verse 19 that Herod would die a few years later in 4 AD to be exact. In Grace City, all of the little Herods in our lives, in our life, they will eventually be overthrown by death, but not Jesus. And this is why we belong to him, not Jesus. 
to think biblically about the whole context here and to think maturely as followers of Christ who understand what it means to belong to Jesus in a broken world that is full of danger, we must understand the whole of the Christmas story. Otherwise, church, Christmas is in danger of being irrelevant. And we all touch that at times. Every Christmas season, it feels like, is this real? Is it, does it apply? Does it impact? This is where it hits home. And of course, largely, America will say, no, 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 just give us the fun parts. We don't want verses 13 to 16. Don't be a miserable pastor, Pastor Bob. Stop it. But Matthew gives us both, so blame him. Church, the God who puts skin on is certainly our divine Savior, but at the same time, he is fully human. And his life was dirty and difficult and so very dangerous from the first, first Christmas on. He's a refugee fleeing for his life. And in the face of today's trouble and today's violence, we ought not be surprised that the first Christmas took place in the midst of horror. We ought not be surprised. Jesus never promises us anything, but in this life, you'll have trouble. But I got you. Just get up. Come with me. I got you. It's going to be really hard. <laughs> but I got you. Don't be surprised. This infant Jesus is a refugee fleeing for his life. That ought to blow our minds, I think. Why is it that Matthew can hold the joyful nativity and the dreadful reality together? How is that possible? Because the Bible itself, when you read it this year in 2023, read it with this lens of paradise where we hold contrasting truths together at the same time. They seem to conflict, but scripture is beautiful at holding things together. It is always real about life on this planet, always. Joy and trouble, always. Because the juxtaposition of joy and peace and love alongside sorrow and bereavement and terror, all of it under the authority of our sovereign God, can indeed yield the thrill of hope in the end. It can. And you've tasted it. Wade into it. Get up. Go for it. Sometimes I think we try to keep it at arm's length. And you can't. It is a useless enterprise. Get up. Christmas and weeping can go together. And some of you know this. You've had a Christmas like that just this week. I know. I've talked to a few of you. Your very own Christmas this week must may have contained heartbreak. May have contained selfishness. It, it may have sabotaged your family yet together. And that's real for some of you. You may come into 2023 with a heavy heart. And I'm saying that your experience is found right here in the first Christmas. With Jesus the refugee. You are not alone, Grace City. You're not alone back home on your couch. Your reality is not an anomaly in God's economy. Wow, that's three good words in one sentence. Your reality is not an anomaly in God's economy. And it's exactly why we are invited to come, behold, and then belong to our Savior. Because we need a Savior who gets it. And then calls us to get up. And listen, don't you think that perhaps one reason that many people come to church once a year at Christmas time... Because in their minds, they have this bit of sentimentality about the gifts and the baby and the angels and being a good person. And this is a good thing for me to do. And, and, and that's what's on their agenda. And so they come once a year. And, and listen, a bit of sentimentality is fine. I'm all for it. But only once a year. It's okay once in a while as a, a bit of escapism and a, a reason to get together with folks I wouldn't get together otherwise or hang out with otherwise. But no one can afford to live a life of make-believe year-round, right? We've got to understand what it is to engage life. We're not naive here in Baltimore, not in Baltimore City. We know trouble here in Baltimore. We know havoc here in Baltimore. 
But in the minds of many, many, Christmas remains this sweet fable far from the reality of the streets where we actually live. No wonder so many will, will, stop, will, stop, will just stop with going home by another way. I'll just do it different. I'll be nicer. Don't do that. Christmas was lovely, but it does not deal in those minds with the nitty-gritty of life that picks up back in January. And Matthew's Jesus says, oh, yes, it does. Get up if you want to belong to me. And there's nothing better than belonging to him. So church, get up is the rallying cry this morning of 2023 for God's wise and discerning people to bring all of this together. Not only to behold the infant Savior, but to be his ambassadors in a violent and terror-filled world. When you're the ambassador of the king, it means you belong to the king. You represent the king. You are the king's person. Come and belong. We come alongside the manger, yes, and, and we infiltrate into the slaughter of the innocents in this story. It's all around us, Gaza, Ukraine, Managua, Baltimore streets, and Jesus just says, get up, get up, come with me, come with me. It's, a, it, it's an actual joy to walk on some of the toughest streets in Baltimore because, because you're called by God. So come with us, doing that. This dark side reality to Christmas, it keeps it appallingly real. Joseph and Mary experienced the psychopathic fear, the, the profound fear of a psychopathic child-killing dictator. Bethlehem experienced systemic oppression, pain, and suffering to their infant population. So who are we to make Christmas irrelevant to those same dimensions in our world, to the hurting and the trouble? the loss. Let's bring Christmas right into the nitty-gritty of those worlds just the way the first Christmas did. So how do we make our stand? Here's how. We're going to have our first communion in just a few minutes. Corey's going to lead us. And remember, this baby that we celebrate this Advent is on a 33-year journey toward a hill in Jerusalem called Golgotha. Think about this journey now. 33 years from, from this first Christmas. Now, Corey and Kristen and Tolu and I and John and, and Jamon, and we, we spend a lot of time from this pulpit inviting people to the foot of the cross, to that moment in time when Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. He took our place. And we say, and we invite, and we say, get up, come to the table, and we're going to do that in a minute. And that is probably the most important invitation, Corey, we could ever make, to that place where history changed its course. And so to you this morning who might be wondering, should I trust him? Should I trust this Jesus? Jesus says, come. Come and belong. It's the defining decision of our lives. It can change everything about 2023. Don't, put it, don't take it lightly and don't put it off. It's right in front of you. Now I wonder if we sometimes diminish the power of the cross by failing to invite people to, to the cradle first, as we've done this month via the angels that we have heard. Because we cannot fully understand the death of that man on the cross, that Jesus on the cross, until we fully understand his invitation to come that begins in the manger. It always involves getting up. Somebody say, get up. When Jesus says to the fishermen, a little bit later in Matthew's gospel, come follow me, he tells them that when they get up, they will lay down their lives. When 
to Peter in the boat, Jesus says, come, and he tells him to get up out of the boat, come out, off, out of the safety of the boat, come out on the winds and waves, get up, come out of the boat, and by the way, you'll be walking on water, and therefore you'll be fully dependent on me. Come on, come on, belong to me, get up, come out. When he, when he sees Nicodemus in the tree, high up in the tree, trying to remain inconspicuous, Jesus looks up and he says, come down from that tree and then get up on your feet. Come down from the tree and stand up in front of me. And when you do, everything you hold dear is going to be put at risk and you will be called on to actually repair the damage that you have caused. But I've got you. Get up, come down, follow me, belong to me. Get up. To all of us this day, church, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary. And when you do, you're going to actually have to deny yourself at the same time. So get up, pick up your cross, and come follow me, belong to me. It's glorious. It's glorious. Why come to him? Why trust him? Listen, after that first Christmas, Jesus lives 33 years. He had a band of followers. He was tried in a Roman court. He was sentenced to die. They strung him on a cross, put a spear through his side. They took him down, certified him as dead. And three days later, Corey, he got he got up. Herod couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. Not on your own. No one else in history can do that. But it's because Jesus got up that he says to you and me, get up. Because he got up. Put your hand in mine. Come on. Let's have the band come back up and the worship team come up. Corey, come on up to the table. Listen, church, I know the horrors, and elders come on up too, I know the horrors and the terrors that you worry about. I'm older than anyone in this congregation. I've been there. I know what you worry about. And I've learned that Jesus asks me time and time again, will you trust me to lead you through? Come on, get up. Put your hand in mine. We can get up, Mary Lou, because he got up. Well, here's our first communion of 2023. We get up to declare that we belong. We share the table of God. We share in the suffering. And we share in his glory. So I want to do communion first, and then I want to sing How Great Thou Art, that 1800s hymn. And uh, we haven't sung that here in quite a while. Uh, but let me invite you to prayer right now. Uh, and then we're going to have Corey lead us through communion. And then we're going to sing How Great Thou Art at the top of our lungs. Are you with me? We're going to stick, and we're going to get up to do it, Melissa. We're going to get up to sing that. So, Corey, 